Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Matthew with the Seed War Radio Network. So today I'm going to be starting another series, which is going to be in Revelation. It is from Victory in Jesus Fellowship. This is going to start with Revelation 1, 1 through 20, and is by Pastor Brent Carlson. Now, Victory in Jesus Fellowship is a church my wife and I are going to. And Pastor Brent, he teaches or he preaches by going through a book at a time, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. We believe that the Bible teaches itself. So there is no way you can take You know, a Bible verse and twist it how you want to if you're going chapter by chapter. Very hard to do. But sometimes he does do two chapters at a time, depending how short it is. And if it's really long, he'll do half a chapter. So sit back, enjoy, and we're going to have more revelation to come. And Happy New Year, guys. Seed War family, Seed Warriors, I hope you have a great year coming up. All right, without further ado, here's Pastor Brent. Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the 
To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wait on account of him, even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And then in verse 9, I, John, your brother, and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstand, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in their films. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the pastors of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are seven churches. So before we get into this at all, I would like to encourage you to read this whole book uh, every week at least, if not every day, out loud. And why is that? Because if we, we were just told, you will be blessed if you read this out loud and you listen to what it has to say. No other book in the Bible says that. Now, it's true of every other book in the Bible, but there it doesn't say that. It says it straight up here. So I encourage you to do that. Read it out loud. Read it out loud. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to read over and over, and it will become clearer as we read it over and over and study. Now, I have a question for you. What, what is the church? What is it? When we say... We go to a church, or when we say there's that church over there, what does it mean when we say church? What is a church? Anybody know? A group of people that come together. 
a group of people coming together, okay? Uh, hopefully, they are a group of followers uh, of Jesus Christ. However, there are many churches today that, like, and we, like we just studied in those seven churches, uh, five of those had serious troubles. And Laodicea at the end had no Christians at all. Yet they still call it a church. Okay, so you can call something a church that isn't a real church. Yeah. The word actually means to set apart. Okay, to set apart. And so we are set apart people. Uh, we are to be followers of Jesus Christ, disciples. That's another connotation there the church that we are actually wanting to learn about Jesus and wanting to learn about our life in God. Not just sail along and, you know. Don't care about that? No, we just need to care about that. And then we are a group that stands up for the Word of God. And that is very needed today, isn't it? In this country of ours, we need people that are standing up for the truth because the air is full of lies. Full of lies. And someone needs to stand up and say the truth. And that's what we are here for. As the body of Christ, this little group right here, has the capability to make a huge difference in this country just by stating the truth. When people walk up to you and tell you a lie, say, I'm sorry, that is not accurate. This is the truth. And tell them the truth. They may not like it. Or believe it. But we are to be like Jesus. And Jesus told people the truth. And many people did not like him. You know, the church is in big trouble today in America, as it was at the end of the first century when John was writing this. We just went through those seven churches, didn't we? And churches were leaving the true faith. They were leaving the scripture. They were not believing the inerrancy of scripture. They were believing some of it and taking some out, much like many churches do today. It breaks my heart to see that happen to the Word of God. Many, many churches are taking Jesus and turning him into something that he is not. And that, remember I've told you over and over, that's the nearest, that's the easiest way to tell a cult or tell something, a church that is not on, on track is how they feel about Jesus Christ. What do they do with Jesus? And when people start talking to you about God, okay, a lot of people believe in God, right? But when they talk to you, if you want to really fellowship with them, you need to figure out where they are with Jesus Christ. Okay. Because that makes a difference. That makes a difference. Um, they're very, it's a very troubling time. Hard to find a good, solid church as it was back in John's day. John uh, is now in his mid-90s and uh, he has seen the church fall away. I've seen many, many churches fall away from the true belief. All his fellow apostles are dead. Everyone has been killed for their beliefs. Many, many of the people he was around and that he ministered to as a pastor his last, the last number of 50, 60 years uh, that he's been a pastor uh, since the Lord went, uh, went back to heaven. Uh, he has seen many of them fall away. Many of them, uh, many of those churches closed. It's been a very discouraging time for him. Very discouraging time for him. Not only that, then he got sent out to this island, didn't he? 
as a visit. There was a penal colony. Rome had over 50 islands like this around the Aegean Sea there that they sent prisoners to to uh, serve their time. And uh, whatever leader you crossed, uh, Domitian was the one that sent John out there. And uh, when he died, John got to leave. A lot of people don't realize that, but he did. He went back to Ephesus, and uh, where he had pastored for a long time, and he, and he was able to retire and die there. He didn't die on the island, but he he was out there for a long time. And while he was out there in this discouraged state, you can imagine how discouraged he might have been in his nineties. Be sent to prison. It's pretty discouraging, anyway. Right? That isn't what you want to be doing. And uh, yet he. I'm sure spiritually was very discouraged as well. So Jesus comes to him and his angels come to him and encourage him. And that's really what this is all about. This is an encouraging chapter to John. And it should be to us. Because as we look around, we can see a lot of the same thing. Can't we? we can see a lot of people who we thought were solid Christians. And as soon as this thing hit, six, eight months ago, what did they do? They hold up. Praise, shaken, scared to death. Should, I should say scared of death. And that's what, is that what we're called to be as Christians? Do we have any need to be fearful? Do we have any need to be fear of death? What is death? As Paul said, death is better. Right? I don't have a bad back in heaven. Okay. I don't have those fall out of the sky and hit me in the head in heaven. Right? I don't have those things. No, we're going to have no pain, no worries, no trouble, just pure joy and praise. And we're going to reunion every day. Then every family reunion every day. I'm telling you, it isn't, it isn't, it can be discouraging today. And I understand that. And so I want us to hear what Jesus says to us today in this chapter, because it is very, very encouraging. All right. Verse 1. The revelation, what does that mean? That means revealing, right? That means we're going to find out more about Jesus. We're going to find more out about the future and what God has for this world in this book than we've been told previously. Okay, we've been told a lot. In the Old Testament, we're going to find out there were a lot of a lot of prophecies that went right along with many of the things we're talking about in Revelation. But we're going to get more detail even here, especially about Jesus Christ Himself. This whole book is about the revealing of Jesus Christ okay, and who He is and what how we need to feel about Him and what He's going to be doing in the future. This whole thing, this is the revealing of Jesus Christ. Alright? Which God gave to him to show his servants the thing that must soon take place. Now, must quickly take place. Maybe your version says quickly or rapidly. What that really means is we need to think about that in the original language, not as something coming next Tuesday. Okay? But something that when it starts is going to go rapidly. That's really what that word means. So when you see that in this book, or you see that anywhere in Scripture, uh, you need to realize that it's not 
God is not telling us, I'm going to be here on Thursday, or I'm coming back to see you, whatever. He's saying, when this starts, okay, when this tribulation starts, when we get sucked out of here in the rapture, and it starts, it's going to go rapidly. Okay, boom, 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 boom. It's going to go right along in seven years. It'll be over. So that's pretty quick when you consider this span of, you know, history. So that's what we mean. So don't get confused by that. Um, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even all that he saw. Now, verse 3, that's the wonderful promise. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the word of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in. For the time is near. And what that means is that that's the next big event on God's calendar. Okay? We are to live for him. He's blessing us. He's teaching us. He's working with us. He's sanctifying us. But the next big event is the rapture and the, what's going to take place if we go through this, this book. Okay? So that's what it means. So be ready. We are to live as if we're ready to go. Okay. Not to get surprised. We will not be surprised when that trumpet blows and he shows up to take us out of here. Um, the people who are doing what they ought not be doing, yeah, they're going to be surprised. <laughs> okay? But uh, for us, we need to be ready at all times. Now, in verse 4, we see that uh, John is supposed to write down seven times these letters that he's going to write to these churches and the entire rest of the book. So John wrote seven copies of that book. And as these preachers came to visit John, they took those back to those churches, starting here in Ephesus, and they read that, they read the whole book to the whole to the church in Ephesus. And they moved to the next church and they read the whole thing. The guy, the pastor in Ephesus stayed in Ephesus. So they just lost the pastor everywhere, held the whole mail route until they got clear down to that time. When they did, then uh, there was only one pastor left. He read the whole book to his church. Okay. And so that's the way that is supposed to be happening. And that he tells John that right here. John and the seven churches that are in Asia, we call that Asia Minor or Turkey today, uh, the western part of Turkey, two-thirds of Turkey is now what they called Asia, Asia back then, because that was Asia in the Roman Empire. Okay, we don't call that Asia today. We call it Far East Asia. But they then, in their known world of Rome, of the Roman world, that was considered Asia. So that's why they say that. And then he says, grace to you and peace. We could go off on that for a whole sermon, couldn't we? We could take a whole time right there. But grace to you, what is grace? Getting what you don't deserve. That's, right. that's the grace of God. And peace. That is the only peace that we can get from God. We can't get peace like that anywhere else. Okay? I've watched people die of horrendous deaths in peace. Cancer feeding them alive, incredible pain and agony, and they just have a smile on their face. Why? Because they have the peace of God. And they're ready to go home. Okay? I've seen other people die in that way, and they are screaming and fighting and Scared, scared as all get up. And they should be scared because they have not made the right choice with their life. So that peace we can get from God is what he's giving to these churches and giving to us today. 
So accept that from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Now that, I would like to think, is God the Father. Okay? The next one says, from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Those seven spirits, and in Isaiah 11, we read before as we went through those other uh, churches, in Isaiah 11, it goes over seven attributes of the Spirit of God. And you can look that up this afternoon, you can write that in your notes. That's a great study in itself. The seven aspects of the Holy Spirit. And then after that, he brings Jesus into it, doesn't he? He says, not only uh, the spiritual are before the throne, but from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kingdom. Wow. Wow. Now, <clears throat> this speaks of Jesus being our faithful witness. Okay, and that's another word for high priest. As we went through Hebrews, uh, a lot of you were not here for that. We'll do that again one day. Uh, Hebrews talks about the priesthood a lot and how God, Jesus, is the high priest, not the high priest that they thought was a high priest. Because there were good high priests and bad high priests in the temple because they were all human. But Jesus is our high priest. And he's described that way in this first of this letter, isn't he? The white long robe, golden sash, that's what priests wore. But he was priest and king at the same time. Now there's only three groups. There's only three people really that are going to be either described in scripture as priest and king. The first one was a guy that was way back in Abraham's day. Do you remember his name? Melchizedek, yes, was described as a king and a priest. Who else? Jesus Christ, right? Was described and is described as a king and a priest. And as we go through this book, we are going to discover that you and I are going to be kings and priests. That's pretty cool. Let that be encouraging to you. Because it's sure encouraging to me. So, this is describing Jesus as the high priest and king, the firstborn of the dead, the one who defeated death, okay, came back to life, defeated death, got the keys to Hades and hell, and we do not need or need to go there, okay, because of what he did for us. We're going to be celebrating that today with our <laughs> Because of what he did, we should have no fear of eternal punishment. We have the guarantee of eternal joy in heaven. Because of what he did. And that's something to celebrate. Alright? And the ruler of the kings on earth, or the prince, some of your translations may say, what that means is he is king of kings, right? There is no other. They all may think they are. We even have governors today that think they are kings, but they are not. Don't believe it because it's not true. Okay? They may try to flash their power around. But ultimately, they're going to die too. Okay? Their ways will not be long lasting. Okay? Only God's king of kings. They're only in there because of God. Only in there because God put them in there for a purpose right now. That's right. And we, for some reason, are supposed to live through it. And so we got to trust God that He knows what He's doing. Same thing once He has the coach coming Absolutely. Same thing. God's will will be done. He puts rulers in and takes rulers out. God does that. No matter 
curses himself, I think, four or five times in this book. So uh, if everybody wants, anybody wants to dispute who wrote the book, they're crazy because he says it right here numerous times. Uh, John to the seven churches, grace and peace, and then he goes all, he describes uh, the three, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Then keep going to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Priests, did you get that? Priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen. amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Whoa! Clear reference, right? When he comes back to us, as Thessalonians tells us, in the clouds to receive us to him. In the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be calm. Way less than a blink. Bring it on. Okay. The twinkling of an eye, if you look up, up scientifically, is the time it takes light at 186,000 miles a second to go through the cornea of your eye. Okay? That's not very long. <laughs> let's just let's just say it straight up. No, it's just not very long. Yes, thousands of a second. Yes. And so <clears throat> that is how quickly we'll be taken out of here. And I say, bring it on. Okay, I pray that often. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So this is very exciting. I get too excited here. Um, He's coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him in the tribes of all the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Hear another amen? Amen. amen. Now, when John wrote this, when people have read this before the uh, development of what we call social media, this would have seemed like an absurd thing to say, wouldn't it? The whole world will see him. Well, who saw, who saw the temple of the temple? Who saw the towers when they were destroyed in New York? Everybody in the world saw that. Probably within the first hour, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. And it's getting crazier now. I mean, there are, through all these platforms, people can see what's going on anywhere in the world at any time. Just by looking at their telephone. Okay. Who would have thought that? I wouldn't have thought that. Okay, so it's fun to see how God is allowing these things to be developed so they can be used at the end for His for His uh, glory. That's that other clock. Is that driving you crazy? Start to drive me nuts. All right. Well, my wife can fix it. Every eye will see, even those who pierced him. That's the Jews. Okay? Bringing up the Jewish nation here. He's not done with the Jews. And then all the tribes of the earth will wail. Everything, the entire earth. My God. And then he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. What are those words? Anybody know? Beginning and the end. Those are actually the. Every language has an alphabet, right? We have A through. Z used to be 26 letters in the alphabet. And uh, I think there still is. But in the Greek language, instead of A, we have Alpha. And 
instead of Z in the Greek language, there is the word Omega. So this is the first letter of their alphabet, and the last letter of their alphabet. That's what that means. Maybe you didn't know that. But that's what that means. She needs somebody to call her. <laughs> uh, so the alphabet and the Omega, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. That's right. So was Jesus ever created? No. People will tell you that. They'll say, well, of course he was created. No. Here, right here, especially in verse uh, 8, right here, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. This is Jesus speaking clearly. Okay, not the Father, not Jehovah. Okay, and some people who come around and knock on your door will tell you this. This is a great verse to go to, this passage, when those people come and talk to you. Because you can read in here a lot of places it talks about the Father, and they'll go, yeah, yeah. Then you read another, yeah, yeah. And then you read this verse and tell them, who is that? Who has died and who has come back to life? That's in this passage. Is that, God, is that Jehovah? Well, no. Can't, can't be Jehovah. Well, he says he's God, the first and the last. And he died and came back to life. Who do you think that is? First and the first And they'll sit there. <laughs> like that. Because they don't have an answer. Even Jesus, before he dies, even said, when you look on me, you are looking at God. That's right. I know. But this is a great place because they get really into Jehovah. Okay, a lot, a lot of religions do. The one God. And they don't accept Jesus. And this is a great place to go. Okay, verse 9. I, John, your brother, the partner in the tribulation. Yeah, he was going through tribulation. Wasn't he? he was going through personal tribulation. Okay? Not the ultimate and times, the 70th week of Daniel kind of tribulation, but he was going through tribulation. And the kingdom of the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos. And then he tells us why. Patmos is about five miles across and about ten miles long. It's a crescent-shaped little island out in the Aegean Sea, about 24 miles offshore. Oh, nice day to swim. Uh, nice day to swim. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, you can walk around that. And uh, he lived in a cave on that island. And he was under the whip every day. The guys in the were doing work. This was a penal colony. This was a working penal colony. And uh, whatever jobs they had for them, they were, they had guards over them. This was actually prison. And yet he had time in his cave that he was sleeping in uh, to receive these visions. And they're fantastic. Okay. I told you before, uh, Domitian was the emperor who had sent him there. Uh, then in verse 10, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now that's an interesting thing to say. Let's talk about the Lord's day first. The Lord's day is considered what day? There's two wrong answers. Anybody else? Well, yes. Okay, there's another way it's used. Since every day is actually the Lord's day, you're right. But we typically, as Christians, 
after the resurrection of Jesus, those followers of the way started having their get-together, main get-together of the week on what day? Sunday. Sunday. And that is why we meet on Sunday. Okay, That's not because we're told in Scripture you've got to meet on Sunday. No, every day in the New Testament, Paul tells us, Jesus tells us to call. Every day is the Lord's day, right? We need to praise God every day. Not just one day a week. Well, that, that is a problem for those Christians who just go to church and get bummed up and then they don't do anything with God the rest of the week. And they wonder why they're shocked by Tuesday. Okay, why they're all depressed and upset. Can't hardly get through the week, just can't wait for Friday. Well, why is that? Because they aren't feeding themselves with God's word all week. Okay, you can't get everything just here. Okay, it's like having a big meal. I challenge you not to eat another thing until next Sunday and see if you're hungry. You're going to be hungry, right? No, you can't live like that. This is this is the bread of life right here. And so we need to spend time in that every day. Okay, that's just no little trip. No extra trip. So, <laughs> he, uh, that's the day of the week, okay? He, this was on a, happened to be on a Sunday that he received this uh, vision from God. And he was in the spirit. There's a lot of terminology around that, a lot of guessing about that. What that really means is that he was taken to another dimension. Okay? And this is very important that we understand this as we get started in this book. Because the way he describes these things in this book is very interesting, it's very symbolic. And the reason he does that is because he is seeing things in multiple dimensions that we can't even comprehend right now. We see things in three dimensions, don't we? If you look at a picture, it's in two dimensions. Okay? Does the sunrise look the same on a picture as it does with your eye? No, because you can't see the depth, right? You can't see the third dimension. When we get to heaven, and this is super exciting, when we get to heaven, these senses that we have are going to be multiplied. Okay? We already know, and physicists will tell you, we can only see a certain spectrum of light, right? We can't see infrared. Now, there are animals that can see different spectrums, different parts of the spectrum that we can, right? Have much better eyes, see different things. Mules and horses can walk in pitch black and not run into a tree. I can't do that. <laughs> I run into trees and walls. Okay? <laughs> I do it. And the pitch dark, I can't see, but they can. They can they have enough ability to pick up enough light to see what they're doing. We can only see so many colors. There are lots of colors. In fact, it's been proven that women can see more colors than men can. Which is fine, because I pretty much just, you know, whatever. Doesn't matter to me. They have all these weird colors like Fuchsia, all these things. I don't even know what they are. Okay, I'm the guy. Blue, green, red, I'm good. Right? But in heaven, we're going to see colors we can't even imagine. Think about that. That's what John saw. That's what John saw. Ezekiel saw that. Okay? Other people saw that too. and couldn't figure out how to describe it. So they describe it with things, and you'll see that all the way through this. They'll go, it looked like this, or it appeared as this, okay? So you've got to remember, 
John is trying to communicate this in words that we can understand to the best of his ability, but there's no way to explain what he saw because it's a whole different dimension, a whole different set of knowledge. Set of knowledge. When we when we talk about angels, you know, there are angels right here in the room. You know that, right? There are angels right here in the room. Do we see them? No. If we had our heavenly eyes, we'd be able to see them, right? See what I mean? We've got to realize that we are limited. Okay? We are limited. And so, when John saw these things, he's going to say, when you know, because people will say, this is so weird, Brent. He says this guy was a lion, and this guy was an ox, and this... No! No, that's not what he's meaning. What he's meaning is that the only way you can describe that is to come up with some word that he thinks is like that. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense, because we're going to be doing this all the way through this book. Yeah? God showed me the streets of heaven, and I tried to explain it to my wife and my daughter and other people, and I couldn't. And then I heard a voice, or not a voice, a verse, just not too long ago, that said, the streets are made of gold. Yes. It's so pure. Transparent, yes. And when I heard that verse, then I knew what God showed me when I heard it. Yeah. Because it looked like a, I can't explain it, it looked like a pearl, but you could see through it. Or it was a color I'd never seen. That's right. I heard the voice say, It's what I'm talking about, Joe. The gold is so pure you could see through it. And then I heard that, I knew that's why I can tell people what I see. Yeah. It was amazing. Yes. And that's very important for us to get that as we get started here, because otherwise we can get real confused. Because there's some strange looking things, okay, that John saw in his in his words. Because he couldn't couldn't explain them, right? It's too amazing, too bright, too colorful, too loud, too I mean, you know, you can we're gonna be able to hear things we can't hear. We only hear a certain thing here, don't we? You can you can go to a ear doctor. They'll show you. You can hear from this hurts to this hurts. Okay, that's all we that's all more people can hear. Some people can hear a little more. We start to lose our hearing. Some of that goes away. You have to get a hearing aid, right? That's because we can only hear so much. Okay, I mean, God's creation is incredible. Whales make noises that we can't hear. They are so low. Their vocal cords are so large. They are so low that we can't even hear them. Now we have machines that can hear them. We have instruments that can pick them up. But they are so low, and the wave is so wide that it can travel clear across the Pacific Ocean and they can communicate with whales from Baja clear over to Japan. Okay? We've learned that. Okay, that isn't that we can do that. We're just seeing what how God helps critters communicate, right? That's all we're doing is observing what God can do. So we can't hear many things that we normally should be able to hear. Simple example, a dog whistle. So high and piercing, you can't hear it, right? But a dog can hear it. Okay? So we have different different senses, and we're going to have different senses in heaven. Very exciting. So we got to understand that before we, before we go on. Um, the Lord's day heard behind me a loud voice. Did he say it was a trumpet? No, it sounded like a trumpet. What does that mean? It was really loud, right? Trumpet is the loudest brass instrument. That's why in jazz band you always put a trumpet in the back row. Because they're so loud. 
by the time they get up through the saxophones, you know, they kind of blend in. <laughs> because their souls being loud. And uh, when you're doing beginning band and kids are learning to play the trumpet, it's a dangerous place to be because it's so loud. Okay, so if like a trumpet, say, write, write what you see in the book and send it to the seven churches. Okay, then he names those seven churches. I turned to see who was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. Now he tells us at the end, didn't he, that the lampstands are these churches, right? What does a lampstand do? What does it hold? Light. Okay? Light. What are we to be in the world? Every fellowship, every group of believers is supposed to be a light. He says, set us on a hill. Remember the little song we used to sing? I did under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. Right? Okay? No, we don't hide. We don't, we don't walk away from discussions about the Lord. We don't walk away from truth. Okay? No, we stand up for that. And sometimes we get in trouble for that. Sometimes people are not encouraged by that. Okay? Sometimes they're challenged by that. And that's okay. We do it in love, but we speak the truth. Okay? We don't go out, you know, calling names and being mean. But we certainly stand for the truth. And that's what he's saying here. We need to be light. That's what every church, every group of believers should be. So, uh, lampstands, and in the midst of them was one like the Son of Man. Now, that is a term that's used for Jesus Christ often in the scripture. Son of Man. And it says, clothed in a long robe with a golden sash. High priest, right? Obvious uh, description of a high priest. And then it talks about something. We learned when we just went through Daniel, a description of him. Now this is like, like wool, okay, his hair was like snow, it was pure white. His eyes were like a flame of fire, to me that means piercing, right, he sees everything. Laser eyes, I think, a Superman, right? And he can see everything, he knows everything, he can see, and no matter if it's dark, if it's light, if you're hiding in your closet, you're hiding out your car, you don't get away with anything in Jesus' view. No. He sees everything and knows the reason we're doing it, not only just what we're doing. So he's got eyes like flame of fire, his feet are like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. Now, bronze is always talking about judgment all the way through scripture, and that's what he's meaning here. He means that he's going to trample out a vintage for the grapes of wrath are stored. Remember that song? He's going to stomp out evil. Okay, that's what this book is going to talk about. He's going to stomp it out. He wins. Okay, go to the end of the book, you find out. Twenty-one, twenty-two. he wins. So we're on the winning side. So he has feet that are going to handle all that. His voice was like the roar of many waters. And that's like the ocean. Some people like the ocean. I love listening to the ocean. You ever stood under a waterfall? Ever seen a big, like, Blues Falls when it's really going? Or Niagara Falls? You know that sound it makes? Can't even talk. Can't even. It's so loud. Can't even talk. That's what he's trying to describe. His voice was loud. Okay, my wife is mad at me for being so loud most of the time. But I'm nothing compared to the way Jesus talks, okay? He, you listen because it's loud. 
here at least anyway. Now sometimes he speaks in a small voice, right? We know that. He has different levels of volume. He doesn't just holler all the time. But here he's speaking up. In his hand he held the seven stars. In his mouth that's the seven pastors, okay? And that's really everybody who is a priest, everybody who is serving God. He holds us in his hand. That's a great thought right there. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. What is that? What is it? What is a sharp two-edged sword? It's the word of God. Okay, what else? How's he going to use that when he comes back at the end of the tribulation? He's going to massacre all the evil in the world, right? Take it out. Okay, with the word of his mouth. Okay, that is amazing. Just the way he created everything you see, he created with the word of his mouth. That's rich. Okay, that's who God is. We can't put him in a little box. He doesn't belong there. He doesn't fit. He is awesome. That is the only word you can use for this. So, that's right. The two edged sword would be uh, would be that. Okay? Not only the word of God, but uh, not only the word of God, but the protection of God too. Right? He's going to protect us. Alright. Let's keep going here. 17. Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Okay? His son, his face. What's another couple places in scripture we hear about the face that kind of shone like the sun? Anywhere else to think of? What about when Moses came down from the mountain? Remember that? His face was reflecting God's glory. What about on the mountain we call the Mount of Transfiguration? Remember that? When Peter, James, and John went up on the mountain with Jesus, and Jesus received what he was going to look like in heaven, his glorified body. And they could hardly look at it, it was so bright, right? The face was so bright, so bright, like the sun, they said. And so, that's amazing. What about when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road? That light was so bright, it blinded him, didn't it? It gave, caused him to have temporary blindness, it was so bright. Okay, that can happen, can you? If you've met medical people, you know. You can see a bright light and you can go blind for a while because your eyes heal and your and your optical nerve can get back to normal. So that's a way of describing what Jesus looks like in heaven. Fantastic. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though I was dead. <laughs> that is the response often when we are in the presence, or when anybody gets in the presence of God, or even of a holy angel. Most people get the dirt from you see it all the way through Scripture. Because your self-value and your self-esteem kind of goes away when you're in the presence of someone like that. Okay? It's just gone. And I love this. He took his right hand and laid it on him and said, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What a word to us today. We have nothing to fear says, I am the first and the last, he says it again, and the living one. I go, I die, and behold, I am alive forevermore. 
and I received the death of Who is that? It's Jesus. That is God. Jesus. Okay? Don't forget that. That's another place to take those people that walk around and try to give you a magazine. They will not know what to do with that verse. And that's a clear indication that they need to get a clear understanding of what Jesus says. Then he says, write down what you've seen. Don't just sit there. When you get out of this dream, you better write it down. Why? Because you're going to forget your old. Okay? You're going to forget. What do I do before I come to town now? I write down a list. If I don't write down that list, I'm going to be heading home and I'm going to have forgotten half the things I wanted to do. You know what I'm talking about? I'm probably the only one that does that. But, and no, you get older, you forget things. So God says, hey, good lesson for us. Write it down. Okay? When you have a question about God, when you're reading through the week and you've got a question, write it down. Okay? Write it down. You know, if you want to talk to somebody, you can't get them on the phone, write down what you want to talk to them about. And then when you see them, you can talk to them about it. Otherwise, you're going to forget. You're going to forget. So, write it down. I think that's a great lesson in life. Not only for companies. Write it down. The things that you've seen, that's the things that you saw today in this vision right here with Jesus. The things which are, that's when he describes the churches in chapter 2 and 3. And then from 4 through 20 are the things that will take place after this. And then he tells them about the seven stars and the seven lampstands. Okay, the seven stars are the angels or the pastors of those churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Does that make sense? Everybody totally confused? See, Revelation is just so confusing, isn't it? No, it's not. And I just want to end today with with a uh, with a little uh, description of my understanding of how I'm going to go through this, okay, as we go through these verses. Now, there are pastors that you can go online and you can see these guys that are going to take these one, this one verse and they'll go into an entire Narnia world, okay, of all kinds of what this means and what that means. Topaz, well, this means, you know, some guy's heir back in 1842. No, 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 no. No, no. I'm not going to go there, okay? If you want that kind of description or revelation where they take off on all these go trails, then you can find that in other places, okay? When I go through Revelation, this is about the third time I preach through Revelation, I look at Revelation and I say, I see what it says, and we read what it says, and we believe what it says. I'm not here to say that I understand everything in this book. I don't. No one does. Okay? You'll hear people that say, oh yeah, I have all the answers. I can tell you everything. Well, then you need to change the channel. Okay? Flip to the next version of the, of, the, of the commentary because there are things that we cannot comprehend. What did we just talk about? Our brains are limited. Okay? God's brain is not like our brain. He has colors we can't imagine. He has sounds we can't imagine. He lives in a dimension we can't imagine. Okay? 
So when he talks about the future and exactly what's going to happen, are we going to fully understand everything? No. No. Now there are people that get in fights about these things. Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, rapture, millennium. There is a millennium, there's not going to be a millennium. I have people that won't talk to each other. I know people who won't talk to each other because of those things. Okay, let me tell you, they don't matter. Because God's going to do what God's going to do. Okay? I'm in no place to tell God when to do what and how to do it. Okay? That's not anywhere in my brain. I can't even comprehend thinking about doing it. Okay? No, God is in control. God is the one who's going to do this. He's just kind enough to us to give us a glimpse. Really what this is. A glimpse of the things that are going to happen in that time period. And he does it just to give us an idea. Not to give us everything in black and white. Okay? No. We can't comprehend it. So keep that in mind. And that's the, that's the style I'm going to use. That's what I believe we are to do when we read a book like this, read it out loud, and let God speak to us. Okay? Let God speak to us about what we need to know at this time in our lives. You may read this again in 10 years and may get more out of it. You will get more out of it. Okay? It's because it's a living word. All right? And depending on where you are in your spiritual walk, you'll get more out of it then. But for right now, we're going to go through it where we're at. And so I'm excited about it. There's fantastic things we're going to learn and discuss together. And uh, the most important thing we can learn from this first chapter is to be encouraged. That's really what he was doing to John. That's what he's doing to us. Okay? We're going to be priests. We're going to be kings. We're going to be in the presence of the one, Alpha and the Omega. Okay? Those are exciting things, man. If that'll get you excited, there's something wrong. So come up and I'll slap you and we'll get you excited to stay after service. Alright, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you for your word. Thank you for this book uh, of revelation that you have given us, this revelation that you gave to John directly so he could tell us all about it. Father, we thank you that as you encouraged him, so that he could write down the rest of what you showed him then, that uh, you've encouraged us this morning. For Father, this is a dark world. There's a lot of hate out there, right outside these doors. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of spite. There's a lot of lying going on. And Lord, we depend on you, and we depend on your spirit to help us to be able to discern truth from the lie. And we thank you for your word that makes that so much easier for us as we look to you and what you said, because your truth doesn't change. Your truth doesn't change just depending on culture. And we are so grateful that we have a rock on which we can stand. We don't have to be wandering and flopping around all over like the world does, Lord. Getting blown to and fro by the winds of the culture. 
but we have your solid truth, and we're grateful for that. Thank you for these special souls that have come today. I pray that this would bless them. Uh, these words from you would bless them and would encourage them to be a true light as your lampstand in this battle. Father, I pray that I too would be a light, that you would use me, you would use everyone here for your light, to reflect your light into the lives of people that we encounter. And we will give you the praise and glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray.